Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the VTX podcast. As always at the Veterinary Thought Exchange, we like to start by asking, what are you thinking? And this week... We're really excited to be chatting to Katie Ford and understanding her really exciting journey within the veterinary profession and beyond. Right, so Casey, I don't, I I actually, I'm struggling to know where to start with this conversation, whether maybe we just start by you telling us a bit about you and where your veterinary journey started and how you've ended up being the um, global superstar that you are today. (laughs) I can try and take on that title. (laughs) Okay. Okay, for t- for the for the purposes of this podcast, you're kind of Beyonce level, so it's okay. <laughs> I'll take that. I like that. Leave that bit okay. in and we'll just we'll okay. write that on the wall somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of where to even start, I guess, I suppose like a lot of us in the vet profession, I always wanted to be a vet from a young age. It was uh, very much the cliched mixture of, of animals and science and, and seemed very much the only path that I was ever on. And I graduated in 2012 from Liverpool, went straight into a really busy first opinion practice, like open surgeries, 30, 40 people turning up, two new graduates trying to work the way through them. And you well and truly felt like you were thrown in the deep end. But we coped. I learned a lot. Um, I wouldn't have changed anything about my journey, but I think slowly as I went through that job for nine months, I stayed there and then went into a clinic that was completely the polar opposite. It was sort of 20 minute consults, lots of clients that were willing to do investigations. They were willing to um, do whatever they were told. It was brilliant. But in the background, I very much had this, what, on reflection was imposter syndrome, but this negative narrative that was telling me I should be doing more. If the case went well, was it actually that somebody had just given me the information? Had I spoken to a specialist? Had I gone and looked it up in a book? And I kind of felt for a long time like I was spinning plates and almost kind of covering things up. And the reality was that I was a good vet and I had really good outcomes. I had a lot of clients that wanted specifically to see me. But this little internal voice constantly was like, yeah, but, and every sentence started Mm -hmm. with, yeah, but anybody could have got that Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, but anybody who spoke to the specialist would have been told that. And I started to remedy it with deciding that, you know what, I'll do an internal medicine certificate. I like medicine. When I've done another qualification, I'll know a little bit more and that'll make me feel like I'm justified to be doing this job. on reflection, a very strange narrative, but I think it's quite common in our profession. And as time went on, despite all the external successes, despite um, working my way towards the certificate, despite having this huge client base, a radio show, lots of external accolades, I just couldn't believe it. And it was almost like whatever happened, this voice would then look for something else going wrong. And it became the expert at making a mountain out of a molehill. And because mm-hmm. I never addressed it, it just got worse and worse. Can you remember when that voice first crept in? I mean, was that was that there before you graduated, do you think? Or was it just after graduation? To be completely honest, I think it was there for a long time. 
and even before graduation but I think it was probably just saying different things through life you know um, I did a lot of dog training when I was a teenager and, and went across the world doing that and I'd always have this voice saying you've not really done that well you just knew the right people so I think that imposter guys could mm. be put on top of whatever situation you were in but because I remedied the vet world mm. by just shutting off my external hobbies and just doing vet stuff it became very amplified in in that area of my life and vet school I think it was probably there to an extent I think it was always oh well there's quite a lot of people have done better than you in the exams and you did have to work really hard for those ones and you've only just passed this exam even though it wouldn't be the case but I think on reflection it was there at a certain level absolutely I think it's funny do you know I, I really truly believe that we all go into vet school as younger people, potentially with a lot of these things going on already in our minds. And I just think that vet school makes them all worse. <laughs> like I think it just amplifies, you know, a lot of, I'm not, that isn't a criticism to vet school at all, but I think, you know, but I do think we come out yeah. feeling worse about a lot of these things. Like I certainly think that it didn't, you know, I didn't come out of vet school feeling like a more, rounded secure person do you know what I mean maybe quite the opposite I do and you know what a lot of what I teach in the coaching and things that I'll come on to without skipping sort of the in-between bits but we talk about how when we're put through school as children we are essentially taught to compete to compare and to fit in and then we end up going through school and not even it's not a fault of teachers it's not a fault of anyone specific by any means it's just the way that the system is that we're born um, and everyone thinks we're brilliant and then you go into school and suddenly you're being graded on things like I thought I was brilliant and amazing but suddenly I'm not very good at sports so maybe rather than being a 10 out of 10 maybe I'm a 6 out of 10 and then suddenly someone bullies me so maybe actually I'm a 4 out of 10 oh but I did well on the maths test so maybe I can feel like a 5 for a while and you end up kind of then on this emotional roller coaster of looking for external things to make you feel better about yourself and I think then a lot of us have been high achievers in vet, uh, pre, prior to vet school, but the people that go into vet school have been high achievers. And I know certainly for me, I had a lot of my self-worth or any attention that I got from anyone came from doing well at school. And I think then we're put into vet school where everybody is smart because the bar to get in is high. But then it's almost like that order is then reordered because you forget that you got there and getting there was an achievement in the first place. And suddenly then that comparison trap comes back in and you start comparing yourself amongst the people at vet school. And you come out of it thinking, oh my goodness, they know this and this and this and this. And I don't know all of this stuff. And have I got the right job? All these people around me seem to have it all figured out and nobody's saying they don't. So I don't know any better. And then I think you just end up in this huge stewing part of everything. Yeah, your perception then. of what the people around you are doing and saying or not saying, you know, and am I, I, I must be the only one that feels like this. I must be the only one that is having this sort of really bad time. And that's not true. And I think obviously as time's gone on, things have got so much better. I graduated in 2007 and truly back then like we did not ever ever never ever speak about how we felt how the profession is going to make us feel there was no touchy-feely anything like there was no we didn't talk about our emotions we just talked about the science and I know hopefully that's changing 
but we were never even given a platform to even discuss this stuff. And this is why this discussion we're having just now is even more important. Absolutely. And this is what I try and do now with what I'm doing via my platforms as well, because as things went on with me, they got so bad to a point where I was having some very dark thoughts. I was in a bad place and I did seek help. And then I found systems and methods and things that made me realize, you know what, there is so much more to life. And I also thought, like we say, everybody else had it sorted out. You know what, from the outside, it looks like I have it sorted. I've got the internal medicine certificate. I'm the senior vet. I've got a radio show. I've got my own house. I've got a brand new car. Mm. On the outside, people think it's all sorted. And I thought from my journey, I need to use that and just say, look, this was what was going on in my head when that was all happening. The best thing you can do is go and seek help or realize you're not the only one with that narrative. Can I ask what the breaking point for you was? What was the thing that made you do something about it? It was my boss. Um, I had an absolutely amazing boss at the time. She was pretty much one of my best friends. And she regularly just used to say to me, I don't know how to get you to see how brilliant you are. I've employed so many vets over the years. You're the best vet that I've ever had. And that little voice in my head was like, she's just saying that. She's just saying that. And she's like, I just don't know what to do with you anymore. And she said, I'm so scared that one day I'm going to come into work and you're not going to be there. And there should have been something that I did to stop this. And she was honestly, she's still a good friend now. And she got to the point almost of crying. And I thought, you know what? I wasn't even doing it for me back then. I was still doing it just for somebody else. And Mm. I'm glad that I did because that started a trajectory then that put me to towards all the things that I'm doing now but at the time I would never have known that and this is something I've I struggled with recently because I've uh, uh, recently kind of reached out for some help with some some things that I'm kind of battling and I think one of the things that I really struggled with was where to even ask for the help what what's the actual problem I've got and trying to understand who to to actually go to so how did you know where to go for the help that you needed I just went to the doctor because I couldn't think of anything else to start with. Um, And I just said to them, look, this is how I feel. This is what's happening. And it was at the time, it was very clinical in a strange sort of a way. And they just said, oh, I think we need to refer you for therapy at that point. And I did. I went and had cognitive behavior therapy, which it helped. It kind of got me out of Mm. a hole. But I knew there was more after that. And that's where a lot of the other things that I did came from. But everything happened very organically after the therapy, but it was just going to the doctor. And again, in the vet profession, Mm -hmm. we've got vet life, which is an amazing resource for us. How, just explain how you get from being in this place, this dark place you were in, obviously trying, getting the help that you needed and then kind of turning it around so that actually your role in the veterinary profession now is to kind of provide people with some light at the end of their tunnel. When I look back at it, I I wish there was like some sort of game plan or strategy that I could tell you that I had, but it was all very organic. (laughs) Just make it up, make it up. (laughs) That was it, it was one point in front of the other. But one thing that did happen, and it's always quite a a story that will stick with me actually, I had CBT and I came out the other side of it and I felt a bit better about everything, but still felt there was more. And 
I started on a bit of a self-development type of a journey. I was looking for like, what else can I do? I know there's more out there. So I was doing a lot of reading. And to be fair, sometimes it made me worse because it made me set massive goals that were completely out of the reality to ever do in a very short time period. But one book that I actually came across um, was called The Art of Being Brilliant. And the reason why I bought it was one day... I was in the um, the dispensary at work and my boss was in the consult room with a dog that she was seeing. And she said to the client, I'm not going to be here next week, but Katie, my assistant will be. And she is brilliant. You'll really like her. And afterwards I went into the consult room when the client had gone and I said to my boss, you told that client I was brilliant. We always laugh because she cries about everything. She started crying. She's like, <laughs> why can't you see that you are brilliant? So I bought this book because back then I was like, well, the book says the art of being brilliant and apparently I'm brilliant. So maybe I'll just read about how to do it. And in there, it actually talked about um, a gentleman called Richard Wilkins and his partner, Liz Ivory, that started um, a theory, I guess I'd say, called broadband consciousness, which explains like that little negative voice that we have in our heads. And I read about their methods and it was all about saying, oh, maybe we're all looking for something that we've already got. And at the time, that little voice in my head was kind of like, no, no, what you're looking for is massive goals, lots of money and a big house in Florida. It's not any of this stuff that's all a little bit hippie woo woo for you. You don't want that. And eventually I kept coming back to the same thing. And I thought, you know what, maybe I need to check this out more. And I ended up going and doing what they call a recharge day, which is just like a one day introduction to it. And I spoke to a lot of people that had done their courses and it just seemed to it seemed to be right so I went and I eventually a few years back did their five-day course which absolutely changed everything for me I'd gone from being quite a horrendous person to work with because I was beating myself up in my head and that then just transcended to anyone around me to I was snappy I was moody that was something we've we've obviously chatted we have chatted before and that's something that I just that really resonated with me actually when you said that because I mean that's certainly not the way you come across <laughs> um you know you think oh god she's you uh, think it now. She's, she's horrid um so uh no but you're obviously not horrid at all um but isn't that interesting did you did you realize that you were becoming that person or did someone turn around and say actually do you know what you're behaving like this now do you know what I mean did you know you were kind of getting to that place that's an interesting question you know I think there were times when I look back and I thought why did you do that why did you say that that didn't feel like you but you almost felt mm. it like bubble up inside you from like the pit of yeah. your stomach just this rage almost and I'd ne I was never physically violent or anything but I'd just be snappy yeah. and I wasn't a nice person to be around and <laughs> I think when I saw yeah. the change, when I went through this course that I talked about and I came to the other side of it and I realized that, you know what, everyone has something. Everyone has this little voice that's probably been mean to them or beating them up. And I was potentially just adding to it, you know, when I tut and I'd huff and I'd puff and I'd be frustrated that nobody had done the jobs that I'd asked them to do. Then I was probably just adding to that little voice telling them that they're stupid or they're incompetent. Oh, even Katie thinks that you should have seen her today. So after I'd done that, it completely, that was probably the biggest change, how I treat everybody else around me. And I think from that moment on, I'd kind of got to this level of consciousness, a sort of awareness of myself that I thought I never want to be mean to anyone ever again, because you never know what's going on, like at their core. Mm. 
and like I was saying before, I'd, I'd make these massive like war and peace style documents that people would have if I was going to be off for a few days. And it would say, if this result comes back as this, then you must do this and ring so-and-so and tell them that. If it comes back as this, do this. And we know what it's like on reception. Sometimes people are run off the feet. But at that point, I was so tunnel vision to be like, this is the most important thing that's happening now and nobody has done it. That when it wasn't done, then I'd have so much like internal conflict and like self-loathing about the fact that no matter how hard I thought I worked I still couldn't get on top of these quote mistakes that then that would just come out externally and that was that was the way I remedied really my my professional life at that point was just stay and work longer if whatever you do to try and stop these things happening and disaster prevention doesn't work then the best way to deal with that is just going to be in work every hour and then you'll be there to look after it and I think, do you know, that resonates so much with me because I 100%, like I think I got to a stage in my career where literally the only thing that I felt in control of was was the work. And I literally thought to myself, if I literally work every hour that God sends and I can justify to myself that I've done as much as I can physically do. You know, and I used to have, you know, and Andy we would have arguments about the fact that I was just so consumed by my work and I'd be like, yes, but, and I would be able to justify it. I would be like, yeah, but I'm, I'm a specialist now. And if you've, you're going to be a specialist, you've got to be able to um, understand that, you know, that this is the sacrifice that I've made and it's just part of the job and it's just the way it has to be. And this is just how it is. Like, and actually that's, none of that is true. None of that is true. It doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to be unhappy. Actually, you can be, whatever you're going to be and still be a a nice person and be not be at work all the time. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you can still do a good job. Right. And you know, and it, but you don't, I, I I couldn't see that. I couldn't even begin to understand that that was a reality that I could have. And when was it that you Scott got to the point where you realized, you know, this can't carry on. Well, quite recently. Yeah. I think when I felt that, I mean, I, okay, well, I'll just be honest. I'm, I, Yeah, there's no point. No, honestly, when I felt like I might lose my, f- f- uh, break up my family, that on, so that point where I thought actually in a year's time, I'm going to be living in a flat as a, you know, on my own because Andy and I have broken up and I'm not with the kids all the time. Truly, that was the point I thought, well, that would not be ideal. <laughs> So let's, we need to change something. So I think that that was the point for me. And you know what? It's so brave of you to share because I think that's going to be something that a lot of people will, things have to get that bad for people to realize something has to change. And maybe this conversation is something that might make people think, you know what, I'm going to change things before it gets that bad or they switch like that awareness on to pick up on these things before they get to the points that you and I got to that, I had to get to the point of whether considering I was going to not be here anymore to wake up and say, you know what? I don't want that on someone else's conscience. Which is, which is just, I mean, it's mind blowing. And I think, and, and, and honestly, like I've, I couldn't sitting here now, you know, a, a few months ago, I 100% couldn't see a way out of all the madness and all the, the bad negative things and actually there is like it, it does I remember when I first spoke to someone they talked about 
just this really tight ball of string elastic bands that was just impossible to kind of unravel and actually you can you just you just need to find an end and start somewhere and and actually i i can't believe that um it's possible to come back from these sorts of low points but it totally is it totally is and that's one of the things like i think what we're trying to do a little bit with vtx is even just putting a little bit of positivity out into the universe i mean at the end of the day i'm only really good at doing delivering certain cpd on certain topics but i feel if we can do it with a little positive message then i feel that's my way of sort of i don't know giving something in some way to someone else um you know i think we just all even these little things i think make a massive difference I know we'll talk a bit more about the specifics of what you do, but that's why I think you do such a good job on the platform that you have, this online platform, because it it's just about these little positive, reassuring, encouraging um, shout outs or gestures that you that you do. The support you've given us has been amazing and we've really appreciated that, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of kindness out in the Internet and I didn't always think there was, but there is, you know, there's a we were talking about a lot of these kind of discussion forums and different things on Facebook and sometimes they can be quite negative um and actually the nice thing about Instagram and I thought I was way too old to get into Instagram by the way the nice thing about Instagram is there's quite a friendly little community of nice veterinary professionals out there isn't there definitely on Instagram and I know what you're saying with regards to sometimes on other forums or different platforms I think essentially you find what you go looking for. And I think if you start looking in the right place, you can find like-minded people and you can find people that want to make positive changes. And then equally you've got people that if you want to go in looking for an argument, you can find arguments. And once you just open your eyes to the possibility that good things can happen and that the good people are out there, then you find them. And years back, I would not have been interested in any of the stuff that I was talking about but I got to the point where I tried everything Mm. else and nothing had worked. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to give this stuff a go. And everything that you guys are doing with VTX, everything you've just shared on this podcast so far, that's going to help people. You know, even if it just makes them say, you know what, um, Scott's got his diploma, Katie's got a certificate. They still needed to go and get some external help at some point. And look how much they're saying life is better for doing that then that's going to be raising the consciousness of the world. You know, that's going to be helping a lot of people without you even knowing about it. So it's not even like it's just a small thing that you're adding in. It, it could be making a huge difference. I mean, I think that's really true. What What was the beginning of your journey sort of building this social media presence that you have? And why did you decide that that was something to do? Well, after I'd done the course that I talked about, I probably let it well, I guess I'd say percolate or just sit with it and live it for a couple of years. And then the nurses that had once been scared of coming and talking to me were all my very close friends and all used to come to me with all their problems because the systems that I'd learned kind of just gave me the answer straight away. And I started to realize, you know what, there's so many other people out there that feel the same way. And maybe if I can just give them a little bit of something, perhaps it'll help them think, you know what, I'm not the only one that panics that every bitch spay that I do is going to bleed to death. Maybe I'm not the only one that wakes up and suddenly thinks that the client that didn't want to see them has a problem with them. And maybe I can help them just rationalize and say, maybe actually that client doesn't not want to see you. Maybe it's that they 
want to go and chat with the other vet about something. Maybe they didn't specifically ask not to see you. And perhaps that story that you're telling yourself in your head isn't true. And I thought, you know what, if I just had these little reminders at some point, maybe it might have helped me back then too. And I just never wanted any of what I'd been through to go to waste because I drove myself insane. I used to sit crying that I thought that I had a broken brain and it turned out that I wasn't broken. I was just lost. Like the answer was here all along. It was in me. And I was looking for like this missing piece. And you know what, when you're looking in the wrong place for something that's missing, you'll look there forever. And really, I just needed someone to say, you know what, that missing piece is, is you. It's like watching something chase its tail. You're trying to get it, but it's, it's you all along. And that's what I wanted to share on my Instagram. So slowly as I started sharing these stories, I just started reaching out to people and chatting with them. And I realized, you know what, this is what the vet world's missing. Like we look for more qualifications to kind of build this armory around ourselves to try and stop the mistakes and stop the failures and try and make ourselves feel better about ourselves. But you know what? There are always going to be mistakes. And it's not life-threatening mistakes. It's just little things that that little voice wants to beat us up about. But when you realize, you know what? That's not where my self-worth lies. It's not on the outcomes of the cases. It's on me being me. It helps you deal with all that other stuff better. So as the message spread, more and more people started following. Eventually, I ended up doing the coaching course so that I could share the same methods with other people as well. And from there, it kind of just snowballed, really. I got more and more followers. And I went from having like 100 people to like nearly 10,000 people. Wow. Just went mad. Wow. How, how close to, te- to 10,000 are you? I think I'm at 9,550 at the moment. Well, if this podcast achieves nothing else, <laughs> then I want everyone listening to make sure that we're liking Katie's page immediately to get to 10,000 ASAP. Thank you. Um, so how do we then get from, you know, helping yourself and then actually turn it into part of your career? I think of it almost as being like a, a bit of a portfolio career now because, I still do locum work. I stopped working at that clinic on good terms. I just needed more flexibility to look at developing these bits. And again, I say I wish there was a big plan to it all, but I just kept going with with passion for what I was doing, with persistence, with some patience. And again, it's kind of what you put out there comes back to you. I always just think of it in this very cheesy way of you're almost sowing like these little seeds all the time, throwing this good stuff out. And you never know who's going to pick up on those things. And there've been so many opportunities that have come to me now that if I really look back and analyze, I can figure out where they've come from. But at the time of doing them, I would never have thought anything was coming of it. So I've had invites for keynote speeches, for webinars, obviously for podcasts, to go and talk at various conferences. And I never went out with that being the aim originally. My only aim was that, If I could help somebody that felt the way that I felt to not feel that way anymore or to give them a glimpse of hope that actually there was a way out of it and actually life can be amazing again, then it was worth doing. And that was just my why. And that was what I carried on with. And there was no sort of strategy to it. I'm very much from my past with that little like we say that little negative narrative that we didn't choose that comes in and wants to tell you all these things that loved a lot of big goals for me so I always have to like watch 
for myself in terms of, right, let's just remember you're enough as you are now. Everything else is a bonus. You're not being measured. Like Mother Teresa said, you can either love yourself or you can measure yourself, but you can't do both. And that's something that I always keep checking back into again, because I think there's always that ability, anything that you turn from a passion into a business, there's always a worry that you lose the bit that you're passionate about as you monetize something and try and put it on a treadmill or try and make it take you somewhere. And that's something that I've had to sit back into is right. Why am I doing this? And that's helped a, a huge amount. So where, tell us where you're at now. What's, what's the, where can we find you? What are the next you know steps for you or the next projects for you? Yeah, exactly. So at the moment now, a lot of what I do, I do one-to-one coaching with vets and nurses. Um, we look at people that are experiencing imposter syndrome. So feeling like they're a fraud that they're going to get found out and this sort of a narrative. And I run through them, the process that really helped me, broadband consciousness, which told me who I really am, who that negative voice is and how it changed my life. And we've had phenomenal results with a lot of people so far, which is brilliant. Alongside that now, I've started opening up um, 10 day masterminds where we get in a small group of six to eight vets where we then all talk about these methods but you kind of get the power of the group as well then because one of the things I found from these methods is you see it in other people quite often before you see it in yourself like if you've got six other people around you that you're like how can they all be telling themselves that they're frauds and then slowly you start to see well maybe it's not right about me as well so I've just just opened that we're due to start the first round of that on Monday which is amazing we've got a really good group yeah and then we've got quite a few um people that are waiting on the the waiting list as it were so um we should be doing a few more of those afterwards alongside that lots of talking at conferences um i've got a virtual keynote on sunday there's a another virtual keynote potentially later in the year then um the british vet nursing association have asked me to be their keynote speaker as well so the majority of what i do in terms of business wise for this is the coaching one-to-one I still do local work too, just because I, I love it and I enjoy it. And I think it helps keep me real. I'm still in the trenches, as it were. I still go through the, the things that are happening day to day. And the methods that I know, and because I know as cheesy as it is, who I am, it means that when I'm in practice, everything that's happening, I just have this strange way of being on top of. So there's a lot of calm. A lot of people comment on that. They're like, how do you just stay so calm all the time? You can only do one thing at once, technically. We don't have to be drawn forward into this massive disaster by that voice in our head that wants to tell us all the things that are about to happen or have happened. And it made me fall back in love with doing my job again. You know, my life had become this performance-related experience where I was on this roller coaster of if you get good comments, you're allowed to feel good. And even my boss said it at the time. She said, I used to watch you and when things were going well, you were flying really high. But the smallest thing would then like bring me plummeting back down to earth then, you know, even something that hadn't gone wrong. Like I didn't, in my time there, I didn't have a single client complaint yet. In my head, I had about 10,000. Like honestly, so today, just before we came onto this call together, so I've had a really nice day. I've I've done a number of um, calls like this. We did another podcast and I spoke to Danielle Gamur, one of my old mentors from Edinburgh, about some work we're going to do together. And um, we had some really good news about 
collaborations that we're, we're having for VTX. And literally, I was sitting thinking, oh, well, so that that's all really good, but something bad's going to happen now. Like I thought, so this, this it's all too good to be true. This is all going to go, it must go wrong now. You know what I mean? Like I get to a point where I think, this is all good. Everything's happening. It's wonderful. But then that that's enough. Like there must be a limit to how good it can be. It has to then be bad again. And that was still, and I, I'm doing much, but I'm doing, and I'm, this is me doing better. <laughs> and I'm still like, oh, now what's going to go wrong? What's going to go wrong now? Do you know what I mean? You know what? I still get that narrative jump in. And what I do now, I just discredit it. I just say, look, I don't believe you. I can hear you. Like we've all become so accustomed to feel very comfortable with feeling bad and feeling worried that then when we start feeling good about something, then it almost feels unnatural and like it should come yeah. crashing down. It's like, you don't, it's like you don't deserve it. And you know what? You do though, you do deserve it and we all deserve it. And that's that's the thing. Like for years, I used to feel like I was put in this room full of lots of darkness and all the bad stuff that was happening was more darkness pulling in there. And my job had to be to get rid of this darkness, like whatever self-development I could do, get rid of all this darkness. And as cheesy as it is, you realize that actually us being us is just that light. So you can kind of say, you know what, whatever you throw at me, I'm still me and I'm still here. But I got to the point where I tried everything else and I thought, you know what, I've tried changing the job I've tried getting the qualifications I've tried getting more money I've tried getting more skills mm. I've tried playing with limiting beliefs in fact I felt like I played whack-a-mole with the limiting beliefs you know this is one limiting belief about me we'll deal with that one. Oh, another <laughs> one's popped up and the real change was just realizing like if being you and being alive isn't I mean, enough it, nothing ever no, will be yeah. mm. I, th- I mean it, it you're right Scott you're welling up no no <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so I'm, I, I don't think I don't think crying on the podcast is not something we've done yet. And Casey, I'm a crier, so you would, um, Karen will tell you. So he is. <laughs> I'm a crier too, Scott. Don't worry. Aww. I cried at the Disney fireworks. Listen, so don't you worry. <laughs> the thing about that, I think, it, the core of this, you're absolutely bang on right. Is you know, I just kept, you know, striving, striving, striving. I want to do more specialists, more, you know, do you know, become just the best version of the vet in your mind that you think you can be as far as letters on a page. And actually, as I became more qualified, I became increasingly more unhappy. That is fact. And that like 100%, the more money I made, the more qualified I became, I just became more and more unhappy. And that is absolutely the truth. That's the truth. That is the one hundred percent the truth. It's so powerful that you you share that honestly, Scott, because there's going to be so many people out there that are playing that narrative to themselves at the moment of it'll be okay when, like I did, mm-hmm. I wanted this armory of another qualification, and the trouble is when we've gone through the system where we're taught we're not enough, we're taught we're not taught that we were special and that we were born in these odds. We're taught that. If you get more of this, you'll feel better. And then you get there and you're like, oh God, I don't feel better. I really must be broken now. I'll just get a bit Mm -hmm. more of it. And then I'll get a bit more of it. We Mm -hmm. end up, we put our Mm -hmm. self-worth and our identity. We try and stick loads of labels and stuff to us. But then as the feelings don't come with it. And secondly, as you feel that it's vulnerable to attack then, you start feeling even worse because you think, first of all, I've got all this stuff that I was promised in my head was going to make me feel better and it hasn't. 
And secondly, you think, right, I'm only worthwhile because I've got all this stuff. And then suddenly you think, right, if it's taken away, then that makes me totally worthless. And the power of the stuff that I teach people now and say to them, look, that one in 400 trillion, 10 out of 10 untouchable special you is still there. No one sees a baby born in the maternity ward and says, this one doesn't have a diploma. Can we send this one back? This one's useless. <laughs> you know, like this one, this one's got slightly chubby cheeks. This one doesn't look as pretty as the rest of the babies. We don't like, everyone's still like, wow, look how great they are. But we end up being taught all these things that tell us we're not worthwhile. And mm. then we end up chasing more things to help us. Like for us, it's qualifications. We've gone on a very similar path. Mine stopped, but it would have carried on. I think I would have carried on and got a diploma and, and done the next thing and the next thing. For other people, it's how they look. Like, you know, I'll look a bit better once I've got an extra mill of fillers in my lips. I'll look a bit better mm. when I've got some mid-face volume added. I'll look a little bit better when this has happened. Oh my God, I still don't feel better. And a lot of where this comes from then is that People look at people like you, for example, Scott, with what you've got, and they say, he's a brilliant vet. I can see from the outside, he's brilliant, and he's got his diploma. So if I get my diploma, then I'll be a brilliant mm -hmm. vet like Scott. And the power <clears throat> of what we're doing and what we're talking about now is that people will see, you know what, actually, maybe happiness doesn't come from things and stuff and qualifications. Maybe it comes from, like, experiences and being with the people that we love and loving ourselves and again like I say years mm. back I would have pulled me up on this and been like this is too hippy woo woo for me but you know <laughs> it's not it's that's what it's all about no it's it's not at all and actually that and, and and never ever ever to judge people from you know we've made I've made we've made a choice to put ourselves maybe on a more kind of public platform and you know and so and and I think for years though people have always looked at me and thought I always used to say that I was treated a little bit in my places of employment I felt like I was treated a little bit like a performing monkey because I would always be well let's push Scott will do that because he's hat look he's happy look how happy he is isn't he funny doesn't he say stupid things isn't he entertaining isn't he charismatic you know, and and I would just and that would be and Scott's that one that guy who does that thing and everyone. I'm not saying everyone likes him, but you know, whatever. And, but that was, I didn't feel like that inside. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the song and dance for you, but it doesn't mean that I really, I'm feeling it, you know? And I, I remember in a, a previous employer saying, you know, I had given some really, really bad feedback about how I felt. And they said to me, but when we walk around the building, I mean, you're always so happy. And I thought about, I thought that is the most ridiculous thing you've just said and that's and it shows that you understand this not at all because that is not how I really feel and it's not it's not their fault for saying that but it's do you know what I mean like I almost was annoyed that they didn't get that I was actually deeply unhappy <laughs> so why don't you understand you know and you know. I think that's where conversations like this help because slowly as more and more people hear this and realize that outside appearance and inside is something else like I still same as you went into the consult room with the biggest smile on my face nobody would have ever thought that I was anything but happy they didn't see yeah. like the nights when I was on call in dispensary sobbing my eyes out and just thinking what is wrong with me and as yeah. awful as it is I used to just yeah, think exactly. why can't life be more simple why can't I just yeah. go and work in the supermarket but the reality is the people in the supermarket also have their own struggles and worries that 
seem yeah. equally amplified to them too. So you're absolutely right. I think if anything comes of this, don't judge anyone because you never know what's what's happening with them. Next week, we're going to be joined by Inga from the One Health Foundation. We're going to be chatting about her journey um, through her career in veterinary medicine and also talking a little bit about the management of blocked cats. Blocked cats? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> blocked with what? <laughs> That's my favourite thing you've ever said. <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, right. Oh, I love it. Right. <laughs> As ever, we want to say a massive thank you for listening and for all of your support. To find out a bit more information about VTX and what we do, head over to our website, which is www.vtx-cpd.com. And we really appreciate a little like, follow and share on our social media platforms. Thanks again and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.